Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 4 of Season 4 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan rom-com, When Harry Met Sally, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me again today is Jake Cluett of many different things, including the uh, most recent uh, Con Air Pod. Welcome back to the show, Jay. Thank you for having me back, Rob. Happy to always be here fun, always to fun. listen to some wet kissing noises. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, again, this is another minute which doesn't have that much dialogue or that much uh, dialogue that that really matters, but uh, it helps tell us who these people are. I guess you can say that. <laughs> so the minute be, minute four begins with uh, the camera spinning around these lovers, and ends with Sally smiling uh, widely but mischievous, mischievously. So yesterday we ended things with, uh, you know, these two characters who in the movie we haven't been introduced to, but in the script we were introduced to them, uh, just smooching away. And I, I think that Rob Reiner made the good, made a good call to, to, you know, to just use the camera shots here and, you know, have the whole, have the camera swing around them. And I love the way because of the, when it swings around them, it gets to, to the, to the 360 and then we see a car show up. Yep. You know, it's done it's done really smoothly and whatever. Now, I first want to talk about the last four days, we've had this background music that's been playing in the back. Um uh, and you know, in this minute it still uh it's still there and we actually get to hear a lot of the 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 words of the song this time also. But uh I'm assuming you know what song it is, don't you? It's it had to be you, right? It is a song called It Had to Be You. Yeah. No, sorry, it's not. No? Oh. No. no, I don't know. No, 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 no. This is a, a song. No, it's a song called play. Love is Here to Stay. Oh, okay. Love is Here yeah. to Stay, which was which was uh, written by uh, the Gershwins in 1938 okay. for the uh, for the movie The, the Goldwyn Follies um, by George and Ira Gershwin. Okay. okay. The first person to actually perform it is someone named Kenny Baker, but I don't think it's Kenny Baker that we think of. <laughs> no, it's uh, he's not recording it inside a little tin can. Uh, no, <laughs> it's a different Kenny Baker, um, who performed it in the the aforementioned movie uh, The Goldwyn Follies, but it is also uh, very popularly sung by Gene Kelly in the movie In American in Paris from 1951. Um, it also appeared in the movie Forget Paris, which also stars uh, Billy Crystal. It was in Manhattan with uh, Woody Allen. And you can then hear it in this movie, sung by Harry Connick Jr. But at this point... Harry Connick Jr. Yes. But uh, the... I mean, the the song has had so many people that have uh, sung it over the years. You have later on in the movie, we'll, we will have it sung by Harry Connick Jr. But at this point, it's not Harry Connick Jr. singing it. Um, it is someone else. We have uh, Frank Sinatra sung it, Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. This is the version that we get, the Louis Armstrong version. Billie Holiday sung it, Dinah Washington, Pat Boone and Shirley Boone, and Nat King Cole. And uh, Alan Sherman did a, a parody of it called Your Mother's Here to Stay. So I, I'm assuming you're you're reading down the Wikipedia page. Of course um, I am. People, yes. So you skipped over one. You skipped over Bradley Walsh singing it. 
I didn't know who Bradley Walsh was. No, I didn't know who he was. Which is why Bradley I skipped Walsh this. is is a, a TV presenter in the UK who's also been in uh, some of the more recent series of Doctor Who as as the Doctor's companion, the Jodie Jodie Whittaker seasons. Okay. Uh, but he hosts like Blankety Blank in the UK, um, and uh, a bunch of other like terrible daytime TV shows. And it's just like, wait, Bradley Walsh has an album. Uh, I I love finding out that actors or presenters have albums, they like, have a singing career. Uh, we talked about <laughs> this recently on Cornet, I believe, when you were a guest recently. Yes, yes we did. So, where like I when in a situation I had to bring up. Finney Jones has an album. Finney Jones has an album called Respect. It's fantastic. It's delightful. He sings the likes of uh, Mac the Knife and the, those kinds of uh, classic American standards. Um, but yeah, Bradley Walsh. I'm, I now have to go and find this album that Bradley Walsh has sung. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I skipped it because I didn't know who Bradley Walsh was. I figured, yeah, okay, I'm I not going to just say Bradley Walsh. And then, <laughs> why, you know, why would I, you know who Bradley Walsh is? That's right. I had no idea who Chasing was. Dreams is the album. I will be looking for that on Apple Music later on today and irritating <laughs> my wife with it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to go through all the lyrics of this of this uh, song, but I love the way, I mean, the whole idea here is, is that, you know, that, that of the song is that love will, love will, will stand the test of time. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, it talks about the, the Rockies and Gibraltar, you know, that they're going to crumble or tumble. And you know, because they're only made of clay, but our love is still here to stay. And they talk about how, you know, um, you know, radio and, and, and telephones and the movies that we know may just be passing fancies and in time must go or in time may go. Um, so I just find it really great that, you know, this song is, is showing Amanda and, um, and Harry kissing and talking about the fact that, that this love is going to stay. Which anyone who's seen the movie knows that this is the last time we see Amanda. She's mentioned, but we never see her again. And presumably Harry doesn't either. Yeah. Well, do you think they never see each other again? Yeah. Not at all? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Because again, he's moving to New York. You know, he's thousands of miles away. 18 hours away. Um, okay, we'll get we'll get to that point. That's, that's tomorrow. That's, yeah, that is not a true point, but we will we will talk <laughs> about that tomorrow uh, about why that is not a true point. But whatever. But yeah, maybe they get together at one point, maybe, but not in the movie. <laughs> there we go. I mean, yeah. Harry eventually says that they didn't, you know, it didn't work out because of this trip. Well, it, it's yeah. not called when Harry met Amanda because he already met her. Yeah, it's when Harry, Harry left. The film already started. That's right. When Harry left, Amanda could have worked. Right, but I just find it ironic that this song is playing, you know, while they're showing the two of them. But then, you know, we, we soon we'll get a shot of of Sally, you know, with with Harry. So maybe that's part of the whole connection here. That this is, you know, this this friendship and budding love story between the two of them, you know, which is yeah. basically what this movie is all about. Um, so we were talking about the the 360 of the camera, and then we see a yellow Toyota Corona. Wagon. That, that's a great name, especially in these days with with yeah. COVID. You know, it's a 1976 Toyota Toyota Corona, <laughs> which if you wanted to buy one today, would cost you about four thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Exactly. Um, oh, you checked that up too? <laughs> no, no, it just it doesn't look like a very good car. Uh, oh, okay. Well, think about it. Think about it. It's a um, 
you know, she's a recent college graduate. She's not going to have thousands of dollars oh, to buy a car. It, it makes sense you know. that this is the car she's driving. Yeah. Uh, it also makes sense it only costs $4,000 today. Right. Is it both right. things that make sense? That's right. I mean, it's a car that's almost 50 years old. What do you expect? Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and first of all, I love the fact that she has a steamer trunk, you know, attached to the top of this car. Yeah, okay. so no one can trip over it in the middle of the road. That is correct. That is correct. But they're not in New York yet. You know, that, that's the that's the irony. It's it's the opposite direction between planes, trains, and automobiles. From here, they're going from Chicago to New York, and in PTA, they were going from New York to Chicago. Yeah, well, on a but, much less. So this is a much less uh, tumultuous journey. Yes. Than, yes. Well, well, I guess I guess going <laughs> going going east is easier than going west. Yeah, anyway. Also, it helps that it's not during a storm. Yes. Over Thanksgiving. Right. Well, it's assumed that this is probably late June. Yeah. You know, they just finished. They just graduated. They just finished, uh, you know, college and they're ready to move on. Now, according to what we read yesterday in the script. So apparently, you know, Harry it has just finished law school. So he's actually more than just finished college. You know, he's also finished graduate school beyond that. But is that the case in the film? Because doesn't he? Be- they he never mention the fact that he's a lawyer. Because I think doesn't he... he's a consultant. Okay, so he could be a lawyer. Okay. It's possible that he's a lawyer. Exactly. They don't they don't go into the fact of that he has a law degree in the movie. Okay. Fair um, enough. And I, I believe, if I remember correctly, that she's a journalist. So if this is June ish, nineteen seventy seven, have they seen Star Wars? Um, my assumption is, is that Sally probably has not. I'd agree. Okay. Harry, because it came um, out May 20th. Harry, let's put it this way. Harry probably went and saw Star Wars with Amanda, but he probably wasn't looking at the screen at all. That's what I would guess. So he's not a true fan. Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. He's, he's, he's got a much darker side to him. True. Okay. So that, that would be my, my guess. You know, what would, would, what would you think? I would agree, yes. I, the only way that Sally would have seen it would have been uh, dragged along on a date with somebody else, I think. Wait, once again, Sheldon might have taken her. Yeah, never did. Shel- Sheldon Shel- would definitely. Shel Gordon go sounds like the guy who would take her to go see a Star Wars movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yes, I can see that happening. So, yes, she may well have read a book during it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't, <laughs> she doesn't seem like the type of person who would enjoy it. Even though later on we know that she has an extensive movie collection, you know, which which is nice to see and she has them all alphabetized you know in, on index cards yeah which which is something like, that like I did a normal also. person i i did that as a kid also i had them all in the index cards yes and it was probably before i saw this movie that that i was even doing that you know i don't think this movie gave me the idea to do that but uh you know now i don't have them on index cards <laughs> yeah. because i just use digital media but whatever that's a separate issue yeah, okay. which we won't go into <laughs> Don't need to talk about that. Let's talk about uh, Meg Ryan's hair. Well, no, we'll get there. We'll get there. I don't want to talk about First, I want to talk about the the trunk. Okay. Okay. So, first of all, the the fact that the trunk is on the the roof says a few things. First of all... allows space for Harry to have his luggage in the back. But also that she doesn't have that much room... She doesn't have that much room in the back. Why? You know... I, I, I read it as... She's she knows that she's being considered. You're saying, yeah, she she knows she's going to pick up Harry. He's not going to want it. Like 
she's gonna have time. She's she's a prepared person. She's planned. She's gonna yes. have been ready an hour before she needed to be. So in that time, she's got time to strap her own luggage on the top of the on the roof of the car, pack things in the car. So in such a way that he can just chuck his stuff in and go. Right. I mean, it is packed. I mean, she has uh, four different ropes, you know, uh, holding this, this trunk down. Bungee cords. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, holding it down. Um, but I, I was starting to and we didn't do this on, on plane shows on one of those. I don't know why, but I, I didn't talk about what a steamer trunk is. Uh, you know, we never we never <laughs> got there. I assumed you, you would have done. I know I've listened yeah. to the show, but I assumed that was covered. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. So, but well, don't worry. We're not going to go into it. There's, I found like 20 different types of trunks, but we're not going to talk about all of those. We're just going to talk about the steamer trunk. So when, where do you think this name of a steamer trunk came from and when? Uh, my guess would be something to do with uh, steamer ships that were used to, to keep things on steamships. Like they kept them in a trunk and they stacked nicely. I don't know. I don't okay, know. Okay, yeah, you're right, Jay. Yeah. You're right. It's and when would and be they... the age of steamer ships, which would be the 1920s. I don't know. When was when was Huckleberry Finn around? Uh, <laughs> Huckleberry Finn was was a lot earlier. 1870. Huckleberry Finn, Huckleberry Finn was like 1830s, 1840s. Oh, Christ. Something like okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> if I remember that correctly. Book. It's been yeah. a long time. Yeah. So one of the things is they're, they're also referred to as flat tops. And uh, people started using them uh, in steam, steamer ships in the 1870s. And part of it was is because they were able to, to stack them much easier. Okay. They're, they're, they're usually covered in canvas, leather, or patterned paper. And uh, they accommodate the uh, steamship luggage regulations. Okay. But the, one of the things that, that, that have you ever, have you ever, I, I probably asked you this back then. Because we did have a steamer trunk in the first week of Planchet's Automobiles. But uh, have you ever used a steamer trunk? Have you ever had one? Uh, I don't think you did. And no, I have not. I don't think I've ever encountered one in my travels. It seems like I, I've had suitcases. I've had backpacks. I've had duffel bags. I've had holes. But a steamer trunk? No. Right. So one of the things about the steamer trunk is when you open it, so it, it has room to... Steam comes out. No. <laughs> It has room to 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 like little like spaces for for storage of different types of things, okay. like different different pockets for that are different sizes that can be used for things. Okay, and it's uh, sometimes called a cabin trunk or called a packer trunk, um, but most people still just refer to it as steamer trunk because that's what you know that that's what it's always been known as. So it started out in the 1870s and it was mostly used on steamers. Uh, up until the 1920s. Okay, so you were very close. You said 1920, so there you go. You get credit for that, Jay. Hooray! Again, I'll, I'll give you credit on IMDb for that one. Um, <laughs> but it is also a a true steamer trunk. People refer to uh, as cabin trunk. Okay, which are the this this is basically a cabin trunk. It's not a a true steamer trunk with what right. it is, um, and they are. Small enough to fit in the berths of trains or in the cabin of a steamer, uh, which is why they still use them there. And they have inner tray compartments that will that you can store uh, different types of valuables deemed too precious to keep stowed away in the baggage car of the ship's hold. Okay, and it, it's something that has been used. It's used quite often when people go away to camp 
You know, those are the type of, of trunks that people at least used to use. I don't know if they still use them these days. But, I never, uh, never went to camp for that long. So. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. I went to summer camp, I think, like, I think I went like four years or five years, something like that. And I had one of these, which I probably mentioned two years ago, uh, two seasons ago when we were talking about this. But uh, still. So, yeah, that, that that's what I have to say about steamer trunks. So you wanted to talk about the hairstyles. So go ahead, Jay. It's, it's just there's so many curls. It's so much hair. I wasn't around in the 70s. I was barely around in the 80s. But this just there's just so this is a kind of a Charlie's Angels kind of look. If mm, I remember. Very close. You're very close. It was the ferret fossil look. Ferret who was in? Look. Who was in? Who's in Charlie's Angels? Angels. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it just looks silly. I think. I think it's a silly hairstyle. <laughs> but again, that's coming from uh, someone who was born in '87's perspective. Okay, but uh, you're you know you probably think that uh, everything that that was around in the '70s was just crazy. So you know. Yes. So listen. Yes, All right. There you go. Because uh, <laughs> your I, perspective is very different on it. I, I, I was, you know, I was six when the seventies ended, so I can't really say I remember that much from the the, the fashion styles of the seventies. But you know, I was always familiar with the fact of the Farrah Fawcett look, you know, the, the 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 feather look, you know, the feather hair look type of thing. And uh, so Farrah Fawcett was an actress. She, she was born on February 2nd, 1947, and passed away on June 25th, 2009. Uh, her full name was Farah Lini Fawcett. Okay, she's uh, mostly known for being on just the first season of the TV show Charlie's Angels. You know, she was in she was on the TV show The Six Million Dollar Man. She was on another TV show called Harry O. Um, she was married to Lee Majors, which is why. She was uh, uh, in The Six Million Dollar Man, <laughs> you know, her husband. Um, she was on Charlie's Angels with Kate Jackson and, Ka- and Jacqueline Smith. They were the other two uh, angels that were on uh, during that first season with her. Uh, she left the show and she started doing uh, off-Broadway uh, plays. She did TV movies. She even got an Emmy nomination for her role as a battered wife in the movie called The Burning Bed in 1984. And uh, she also played a murderer named Diane Downs in a movie called Small Sacrifices, which also earned her an Emmy nomination. Um, she wasn't really in that many movies after that. She she was in some here and there. She had she had she was in the Cannibal Run. You ever see Cannibal yes, Run? Yes, that's that's the one that I've seen that she was right. in. Yeah. And um, she For some was. Reason, di- I remember her part. I can't. I can't think why. I don't know what it is. Wasn't she one of the two yes. uh, female racers? Yeah. <laughs> With Adrian Barbeau, I think was the other one. Yeah. 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 Correct. Uh, and so she was diagnosed with cancer in twenty in two thousand six, and she passed away three years later at the age of sixty two from that. And in she in two thousand nine, there was a documentary that that. Uh, chronicled her disease uh, called Farrah Story and she actually was nominated for an Emmy as a producer uh, after she passed away for that but unfortunately didn't didn't win so yeah that that's the hairstyle that's the way it, it, it was back in the 70s you know it makes a lot of sense that that Sally would have this type of hairstyle you know she definitely goes with the flow and does you know uh, wants she wants to fit in She's someone who wants to fit in, even though she knows she can't fit in. 
I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, yeah, I can, I can kind of agree with that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel like, mm, yeah. Right. Now, first of all, I love the fact that she like parks the car and she just starts staring at them in a very interesting way. You know, like it, it's somewhat, it looks as if she's somewhat jealous, you know, that, that uh, Amanda has someone that she can, you know, uh, you know, part ways with uh, so so difficultly, I guess you could say. Yeah, there's a lot of of uh, passion going yes. on in in the the parting of, of Harry and Amanda, yeah. which is maybe something that's been missing in her life, perhaps. Correct. Uh, even with Sheldon, uh, <laughs> Shell Gordon, <laughs> and like she just. But there's also them. irritation. She's also just kind of like. Well, no, it starts <laughs> off that she's looking at them, and then we get a close up, and we can see that she's starting to get a little uncomfortable. That she's sitting here waiting because. Part of it is if if some, someone who hasn't seen this movie before is going to wonder why she's getting a little agitated, maybe because you know maybe she's feeling uncomfortable about them or something like that. But yeah. since anyone who's seen the movie knows who Sally Albright is, she's actually you know on a timetable, and that's what's bothering her. She has a schedule. <laughs> she, she has to leave by a certain time, you know, and this is and this is taking too much time. This this smooching, you know, it's not necessary. Just let's the, move on. Kissing is not in the schedule. That's right. And, you know, then we get a little shot of her and then she's debating what to do and she's looking at them and she's looking back and forth and, you know, sees them, them, them kissing. And then she decides to just, uh, you know, clear her throat <clears throat> and nothing happens. <laughs> she sees that do they didn't do it. So she does it a second time, much louder. And at this point you see the two, you see Amanda and, and Harry are startled. You know, um, I guess they were just oblivious to the fact that there were people around them. You know, or anything. They're in public. In public, exactly. In the middle of the University of Chicago. And then they both look over at the screen, at Sally, obviously. And then Amanda starts talking. She says, oh, hi, Sally. Sally, this is Harry Burns. Harry, this is Sally Albright. And then, uh, you know, Harry moves a little closer and says, nice to meet you. And right away... You know, Sally doesn't mince words. She just goes, you want to drive the first shift? <laughs> Which is really nice for her to be saying that. But why? <laughs> like, what is it? Is it is it like to try and be chivalrous and let the man, you know, be the first well, one to drive? It's... I guess she she probably is in a position where she doesn't mind if she drives first or second, whereas Harry might mind. He might say, oh, just it just gives him the option, I guess. Uh Although his response of "No, you're already there," I I see that as I, I feel like he should have said "Yes, I'll do it." Like from from a, uh, a '70s chivalry perspective, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it should be like "Yes, yes, woman, step aside." Uh, I'll, I'll, but um, I think I think they're trying to show that 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 Harry doesn't really care. That's you it, know. That's it. And, yeah. And him said, "Oh no, you're there already." He's, it's, he's it's, apathetic. It's the easiest option for him. That's uh, right. Speaking of going with the flow, he's like, "Yeah, I'll, you'll, you'll, let's just get on with it." Right. Uh, I think he'd be more than happy to be a passenger the whole the whole way. Uh, yes. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Which That's I would too. I, hate I don't. Driving. I don't want to drive. You know. <laughs> the thing is, I'm I'm the opposite. I love driving. You know, as as you know from my tales of when I was in America. You know how much yeah. I drove. You know, I don't I don't mind. That doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't well, it doesn't uh, tire me out. Whatever. You know, I uh, I've my, told my you wife I, and I recently came back from from Scotland. Uh, we drove back. Well, I'm on the south coast of the UK. Uh, it, we drove back the whole way, whole whole trip in one go, 
and I did none of the driving. My wife drove the whole way. <laughs> how many, how many hours was that? Uh, we were driving for about nine, uh, nine and a half. But then we, there were stops throughout the day for with all the dogs, etc. Uh, but I did offer to drive. But I'm, I'm not a good driver. She's a much better driver than me. I did drive some of the journey going up, but only for like an hour and a half. Well, it's because you guys drive on the wrong side of the road. We, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, um, when, when we did go to Canada for a honeymoon, my wife did forget which side of the road she's supposed to be driving on. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, have you ever seen LA Story? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Victoria Tennant, in every single scene when she's driving, goes to the wrong side of the road. No, she's driving on the correct side of the road. Everyone else is on the wrong side of the road. Apparently. Apparently. You, you are correct, Jay. You are correct. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then Sally says to him, well, back's open. And then we see uh, Harry start walking towards the back. He's. Do, do you see what he's carrying? Uh, it's a total thing, isn't it? With duffel bag. Yes. So he has a duffel bag, and he is holding something. He has something else. I didn't see the something else. So I'm not. I'm not skipping ahead to next to tomorrow. What's, what else is he holding? Okay, he has a baseball bat. Okay. And a duffel bag, and there is something else that we will get to. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to figure out what it is. Who knows? Uh, you never know. <laughs> And at this point, uh, more kissing ensues. Yes, you know they, they they finished with their little chit chat, and you know they they they're they're right now. See, actually, we'll talk about this tomorrow. We'll talk about the what what they're taking with them, because it just it bothers me that this is you know they're they're making a big change in life, and you see. What yeah, Harry that, takes that with him and what Sally takes him with we'll, we'll get to that tomorrow. Because we'll, we'll, well, tomorrow well, we get a little bit more of a shot. What I find interesting about this this uh, minute, we we first meet of the two, we first meet Harry mm-hmm. kissing Amanda, and then Sally arrives. But the first person who we see being annoyed and we kind of empathize with, I guess, is Sally. Right. And I, I, I find it interesting whose perspective we kind of follow as we go through the film. As like who you're supposed to kind of root for, who you're empathizing with in scene to scene, and whether that changes from person to person. Whether there are people who would watch this scene and go like, "Yeah, I'm on Harry's side here. He's trying to say goodbye to his girlfriend." Whereas Sally's on a schedule. For me, I'm much more of a Sally's on a schedule. I'm, I'm exactly. Her. She's trying yeah, to get I understand someone. that. I'm a spreadsheet guy. I understand. Uh, places to go and things to do. <laughs> um, and he's just, they've already kissed once. They've said, "Get in the car, let's go." Uh, so, so I just find it interesting to who 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 is perspective we see at any given moment, and whether that's it's more Harry than Sally towards the end, or more Sally than Harry. If it's exactly fifty fifty, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to to follow along. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do how how deep and blue this movie is, you know, by uh, trying to figure out, oh, you know, you're not in, committed. In each minute, film, apparently okay. not. In each minute, you know, how much do we empathize with Sally, and how much do we empathize with? With uh, with with Harry, I don't know about that. But if you want to do that, you know, on on the I, sidelines, you're more than welcome, Jay. I will I will right, gladly thanks. accept. You know, you you can every day send send me on Facebook. You know, uh, you know your percentage of how the breakdown is between Harry and Sally. Oh, maybe I'll have to I don't know come back for a minute towards the end of the film and and give you an update. Uh, I'll I'll see how the rest of this week goes, but maybe yeah. well we'll see. we'll see. <laughs> and then the the two of them start kissing again and start. Talking again, call me. Immediate and then he says, I'll 
call you as soon as I get there. No, call me from the road. I'll call you even before that. I love you. You know, it's a, it's a Barney. They're they're doing Barney songs. You know, and and then it's just great because we see the look on Sally's face. She is just. But she's like, I can't believe this. I I thought I convinced them to stop, you know, and they're continuing. What is this? And then she she like honks the horn. It's just like great. It's completely annoying the way that she she doesn't play off with like, oh, sorry, I accidentally beeped the horn. It's very much a leaning on the horn until they stop and then giving them a big old grin. That's right. (laughs) Which I, I, I don't. The big grin is is odd, like because it's it's not even like a. You said mischievous. I don't see it as mischievous. I just see it as like I'm happy. It's a happy grin. It's a, I'm beating yeah. the horn. I'm smiling. It's like it's it, 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 I don't know. Maybe mischievous isn't the right word, but it's but but it's you know she she she's trying to break them up from yeah. from you know she wants to get them moving. She wants to get on the road. That's right. So it's somewhat mischievous from that perspective, even though she's. You know, she's got this big, bright smile on her face, the way that she does it. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it because, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into more horn honking tomorrow. So, do uh, you have anything else you want to say before we get into the script? No, I think we covered it. Okay. So, again, the script has a few little uh, descriptive aspects of it that are that are great. First of all, it says, uh, driving the car is Sally Albright. She's 21 years old. She's very pretty, although not necessarily in an obvious way. She sits there... Waiting for the kiss to end. It doesn't end. She clears her throat. They don't hear her. She shifts position and accidentally on purpose hits the car horn, which beeps and startles Amanda and Harry into breaking off their clinch. And then they have the, the little conversation between them. And and then, uh, you know, she still asks him if he wants to drive the first shift. And he goes, no, you're already there. And then, it's a, then it starts talking about the stuff that, 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 that he takes with him. It says... Uh, Harry starts to put his stuff in the car, a duffel bag, a box of records into the back seat of the car where Sally's stuff is too. Suitcases, stereo speakers, a guitar, boxes of books, and a small TV. Okay, so we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow when, when we uh, get into – when we can actually see more of a view of what's in the in the car itself. And then, you know, they, they start again with the I love yous. And says the kiss again, and then Sally sits waiting, waiting. She hits the car horn again. Harry and Amanda break apart. And she goes, sorry. So it's tomorrow. Yes. But uh, you know, she hits the horn today. So all right, so she doesn't say sorry yet. <laughs> I know it's fine. Um so every Thursday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track. Uh, dating slash courting edition, where I guess we'll give a little story about some sort of uh, uh, adventure, misadventure, uh, something that happened to them during the course of their lives that is somewhat related to dating or courting, which is obviously the main theme of this movie. So, Jay, you have another story for us? Uh, yeah, so on Tuesday, I mentioned uh, I, I might talk about my wedding, uh, but I kind of thought about it. It's not really a story that is, the day kind of just went really well. Uh, but instead, I'm going to talk about a, a something that happened whilst my, my wife and I were dating that's well, well yeah so uh, i moved uh, before we started dating uh i moved out of my my parents house moved into my own flat for the first time it was a flat in a shed building a converted building it used to be a school or something i don't know a ground floor flat and the day i moved in 
uh, was also the day I met my the neighbor across the hall. So uh, we're moving in. My parents are helping out. We're moving stuff in. And uh, she came out. Her name was Candy. Uh, she was, I would say, in her early, well, she apparently turned 50 at some point during the following year, but I would say she was in her early to mid 50s. And she came out to introduce herself wearing a towel because uh, she had been in the shower, uh, having a shower, heard people were moving in, and so got out of the shower, wrapped herself in a towel, and said hello. Uh, which I think, odd behavior. To, to it sounds like you're giving like a story, so, you know, like someone sending, uh, you know, uh, to penthouse letters or something like that. Uh, it, it, it is. <laughs> this is where the story seems to be going, Jay. I mean, yes, it, it could have gone that way. It did not. Uh, but uh, I think a one. I happened to get part, there, and, and my new neighbor named Candy across the way came out. Said, she used to be a dancer. She, she told me she used to be a dancer, uh, but there was uh, no attraction from my side at all ever. Uh, but she introduced herself as Candy. Uh, my my brother-in-law at the time was. We we had a, a big laugh about the whole thing because it seemed very obvious what what kind of a person that she was. Uh, but anyway, a few days go by. Uh, she she eventually went away, went back into her apartment, and got dressed. I assume, I hope. Uh, I go to work, come home from work one day. The the flooring in my kitchen needed to be redone by the landlord, and so I'd said oh, it's fine to come around and do that one day. And so I come home. Come into my flat. Candy is in there. She's in my flat because uh, the, the flooring guy is there, and he's done my flooring. Turns out they're old friends because he comes and does all of the maintenance for the house. Uh, and <laughs> when I left for work that morning, I was in a bit of a rush. Uh, I left the, the kind of the bedroom area a bit of a mess. Uh, she had made my bed for me. Interesting. And... Tidied up a little bit. She was having a, a good chat. We had we had a little chat. To, um, I'd kind of the day we first met, the first exchange we had. She was like, "Hi, I'm Ken." He's like, "Oh, hi, I'm Jason." Her immediate response back was, oh, "I remember that name. It's my ex-husband's name. Is Jason." And I was like, "Oh my god, red flag." Uh, so yes, yeah, she'd make my bed. She's like in my flat. She kept she kept on knocking on the door and asking for help. But sometimes when my wife and I started dating. We were having a date. My wife was round. We were watching a film or something. She knocked on the door. She needed help fixing her computer. And so I had to like, go around and fix and like break, interrupt this date to go and like do it. I hate saying no to people. I'm just not good at saying like people. Anyway, uh, eventually she like invited us to her uh, her 50th air quotes birthday party. But we just we didn't go. We moved out without saying goodbye. We ran away from her as, as, as well as we could. And then a few months after moving out, I saw her in a supermarket and ran the other way and hid. Oh, wow. I've never seen her since. So there's not much of a story to this. It's just kind of a, this is an interaction I had that could have become a romantic interaction, but I'm grateful that it did not. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, just the, it's just like coming home from work and she's just in my flat. She's just there, <laughs> having made my bed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds a bit strange. Uh, it wasn't the worst part of living in that building. Um, I, I won't go into that, but I had some other other very uh, terrible neighbours. So I didn't stay there very long. I couldn't control my heating. My neighbours were able to control my heating. Hmm. Uh, and they liked it very hot all the time. And I didn't. It was a very odd, very odd situation in that house. <laughs> Alright, well, yeah, if, we ever get, if we ever want stories about strange uh, apartments, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I know where to go. If you have a season where the offbeat track is is uh, housing horror stories, 
I, I could be there every week for that. I got I got a bunch of those. Yeah, I've got I've some, got some of those too. Yeah, fun places. I'm sure I'm sure everyone everyone has uh, housing horror stories. Yeah, I don't know how many true. people have had people die in the place they lived before, but there we go. Oh wow, you've had people <laughs> die in your apartment? I've moved into somewhere where there's been blood on the walls and a bloody knife out the window. Uh, fun, 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 fun. Yeah. So you yeah. need to find a a a house uh, house centric film for you to cover. Okay. Hear those stories. All right, I'll have, I'll have to I'll have to rack my brain on that. <laughs> Uh, you cover the money pit. <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't think so. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of that movie. No, me neither. <laughs> All right. So, Jay, you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Uh, yeah. So my my personal website is lifeversusfilm.com. It's my my own little blog. Uh, not a lot happens there these days, but it's where I started out. It's where I've been. My aim was to cover all of the films on the 1001 movies you must see before you die list. I am a little under halfway through, and that gets less and less as the years go on. They keep releasing new books. But that is where you can find all the reviews I've ever written for every film everywhere, lifeversusfilm.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, that is at lifeversusfilm, lifevsfilm. Or you can follow my podcasts at Deep Blue Sea Pod or at ConAirPod uh, on, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which is for Deep Blue Sea the podcast and Conair the podcast, as previously plugged in earlier minutes this week. All right, great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, or you can go directly to my website to movearoundminute.com. So, Jay, you feel like come back again tomorrow to finish off this week? I'd love to, Rob. All right. Well, until then, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill with all your faults. I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you had to be you.